Hello and welcome to Entrepreneur, the podcast that's all about the untold stories behind business with me, Robin Vinter. This is episode six, but you can catch episodes one to five on iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search Entrepreneur. Today's episode is for people who work in industries with other people who, for whatever reason, aren't quite the same as them. You might be a male nurse, you might be an ethnic minority barrister or an investment banker from a working class background. Whatever the reason, big or small, out of your control or a choice you make, there's something that sets you apart from most other people in your industry. I have to admit, this resonates a little with me as a 20-something woman with blue hair and a nose ring, which I can tell you stands out a mile at the CBI conference. Anyway, today I'm talking specifically about one underrepresented group, and that's women in tech. I interviewed somebody who deals with this on a personal level as a female founder of a tech business, but also by the very nature of the business is involved with trying to get more women into technology. Just a quick note before we start, apologies for the interference on some of the clips. Ironically, I'm not that great with tech and have absolutely no idea where it came from. Well, I think technology isn't isn't scary. We, technology is completely embedded in all of our lives. Um, we're always minutes or seconds away from our phones. Um, we manage our lives through email. So technology actually is, is just a uh, almost generic part of life now. That's Alice Bentink, co-founder of Entrepreneur First, or EF for short. It's a business that invests in individuals, specifically those with deep technical knowledge, and helps them build a business around their skills. They're paid a stipend for three months to play around with ideas and are guided by academics and venture partners. I think one of the exciting things about building EF has been um, being able to get into the integrity of much deeper technology. Um, And over the last four years, we've uh, moved the company to focus more and more on investing in um, individuals who come from deep technical backgrounds, so often a computer science, um, a PhD, or maybe an engineering PhD or masters, um, and supporting them to build uh, products that are on the cutting edge of whatever particular field they're working in. Uh, and I think that's that's super exciting. Um, there's a lot of chat about artificial intelligence robots taking over people's jobs at the moment. I was watching something on the um, uh, BBC about about this this, uh, this weekend, and um, I think being part of that change and making that change happen is a pretty exciting thing to do with your career. About 1,000 people apply for EF every year and about 3% get into the programme, which makes it more competitive than Harvard. And it's because they're looking for something specific. Um, so number one would be technical skill and technical talent. Either this can be demonstrated through a great educational background. So we do, so I think um, 60% of the new cohort are from Imperial, uh, Oxford, Cambridge and uh, UCL. Um, but we do take people who haven't been to university um, or who've graduated a long time ago. Um, what we want to see is a demonstration that you have very good technical skills and you enjoy using those to build side projects or products on board, packing things together or whatever it may be. Um, alongside technical skill, it's the sort of founder skills that we look for. So, of course, a big one of those um, is uh, determination. It's quite a hard one to test an interview, but ideally the kind of people that we like are the ones who've gone out there and tried things before they've taken risks they've put themselves in usually relatively uncomfortable positions um you know if they've built stuff in the past they have actually tried to get it out there and um uh, doggedly tried to get people to use what they were building um and then i think the third thing that we look for is uh relatively hard to um uh, to quantify but it's a sort of megalomania where 
they are just obsessed with founding a startup and um, they will do whatever it takes to make that succeed. And each year we have a, a couple of those people who are um, just, you know, we'll, we'll do what it takes. Great. And, and you take people then who have tried and failed in the past? Yeah, I mean, we find a lot of people who apply have tried and failed in the past. I mean, the barriers to, to starting a startup are so low now. It's cheap, it's easy, um, it's really easy to distribute your product, it's easy to build your product, that if you haven't already tried, you know, it's like, why not? Um, you know, we can't turn you into a founder, and we definitely don't think everyone should be a founder. Um, so when the barriers are so low, you know, why, why haven't you tried? So yes, most, most people have tried before they join us. Needless to say, within this technical bracket, there aren't many women. I mean, we've made a massive effort to try and correct the gender imbalance. So if you look at um, computer science in uh, schools, um, so in universities, it's about 16% um, female. And if you look at applications to EF, it's about 20% female, and it's usually about 15% on the programme. So the the cohort that's joining us in a, well, next week, um, is 15% female. Um, to try and move the needle on this, we've actually set up a separate not-for-profit organisation called Code First Girls, um, and this teaches uh, young women at, at university to code for free. Um, I suppose our thought behind this was that it wasn't good enough to just raise awareness. You had to make sure that young women were equipped with the skills required to be able to become um, founders of tech startups. So we're beginning to see a little bit of trickle through from that program into EF, but it's still, you know, it's a um, kind of industry-wide problem that we need to try and fix. Codefirst is is growing fast, but it's all, you know, it's it's almost not enough. Um, so we're looking at doing side programs as well, and we have, um, you know, female founder breakfasts to kick kick off the program and um, uh, make sure that the program feels as inclusive as possible. But, I mean, we, we really don't struggle, struggle with ethnic minorities. We, we do struggle with women. Not only that, but women are less likely to risk everything on a startup. There definitely is um, a higher degree of risk aversion uh, amongst the young women that we work with compared to the young men. It seems to be a couple of things. So one is that when we speak to young women at university, they've often planned out their career in a way that their male peers haven't. And it removes the flexibility to suddenly say, oh, okay, actually I'm going to turn down my job at... Uh, Deutsche Bank or Goldman Sachs or whatever it may be and I'm going to go and be a, a founder because um, they've already planned out the next kind of 10 years of their life um, I think the other part of it is uh, women often don't feel ready in the same way that their males, male peers do um, there's tons of studies to show that men uh, over overrate their ability to do something and overrate their qualifications compared to their female counterparts and we definitely see that um, in the applications to EF so female applicants are far less likely to sell themselves um, far more likely to drop out the process during interviews because they don't feel confident um, and so working on that confidence element is, is something that we're looking at at the moment so helping young women sell themselves during that process and realise that the skills they have learnt from university or from their career uh, are enough to make them a great founder. EF tries very hard to encourage women to apply, but it's not easy. The small percentage of female graduates in tech subjects doesn't help. I asked Alice if universities could do more to get women involved with deep tech. Um, I think we should all be doing more. Um, I don't think the, the burden goes on the universities. I think the burden probably goes on the schools who are, who are trying to help um, uh, young women choose the right A-levels to get into the right university courses. Um, I think... One of the things I would love to see is more positive um, press around the problem. 
um, or not, not even around the problem, just highlighting role models and saying, hey, this is actually a fantastic place to work. Um, you know, coding is a creative skill, um, it allows you to bring your ideas to life. Uh, it's not, you know, um, uh, it's not uh, boring and um, dull in the way that it's often portrayed. It's actually something that is, um, yeah, highly, highly creative. I don't think enough of that message is getting across, and I don't think enough of the amazing female role models in the space are being, um, uh, I suppose, lifted, lifted up enough. Uh, I think a lot of the conversation is often on how awful it is to be a woman in tech and not how great it is to be a woman in tech. Uh, and until we flip that conversation around, then uh, why would a young woman reading that stuff want to be part of this industry? There is no one answer, but it seems people are trying. I wish I knew, if there was a silver bullet that I knew the answer uh, to that question, I think it would be very popular. Um, I, don't think it is, I don't think there is one silver bullet. I mean, I think one thing that is um, uh, a fantastic initiative that should help with this is uh, Founders for Schools, which is a not-for-profit that goes into schools, secondary schools, um, and uh, brings tech startup founders or uh, high-growth startup founders to come and speak to the children. And it... Schools that have had um, founders for schools come and speak to their uh, pupils have seen a much higher take up of STEM subjects because it's really showing the connection between why you should learn maths or physics, whatever it may be, and how that leads to being part of this exciting, fun tech startup world. Um, so I think more creating those stories at a, at a younger age and that can then feed through to um, university choices and then career choices would be really positive. Alice doesn't have a deep tech background herself. She studied management at Nottingham and worked for McKinsey & Co, where she met her co-founder, Matt Clifford. At university, she hadn't considered tech as an option. Uh, No, when I was at university, um, I did a lot of social enterprise uh, type startup stuff. Um, And it was only when I was at McKinsey and started working with big companies thinking about uh, what their digital strategy should be and how they should, at the the time it was very focused on e-commerce. Um, you know, how do you help e-commerce sites be more successful? Um, that it became very clear that the future of startups and sort of company creation was um, inextricably linked to technology. Uh, and it was a very exciting world to be part of. So, how does she feel like she's perceived as a woman in tech? Oh, difficult question. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that... Uh, there is a big push in the industry at the moment to try and make sure that um, casual, latent sexism is is removed. Um, it's not perfect, but it's definitely getting better and is good. And I think that um, in many ways you can choose how you are perceived as well. And so making sure that you are perceived in whatever way you want it to be and that might be being perceived, perceived as a woman if that's what you want um, or if you prefer to be sort of <laughs> um, gender removed then I think making sure that you're making an active choice about how you want to be perceived and then trying to use that uh, in your career rather than um, assuming or rather than letting other people's assumptions about who you are uh, take precedent And what do you do? What approach do you take? Um I think it's really it's a really hard question to answer. I mean, I think that the there are definitely some um, things that I would do to try and gender normalise myself. So in terms of using a lower voice, trying to be less girly, things like that. Um, but I think that then there are I don't know. It's a really hard question. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure because I think 
the the kind of the difficulty with this is um, I don't want to push forward a message that young women should have to change who they are to fit into this industry because like, it's, it's very negative and leads to a sort of self-perpetuating cycle of um, uh, why people don't go into why women don't go into tech um, can I not answer that question? yeah no that's fine <laughs> that's okay <laughs> Yeah, it's not easy. So if you're a woman who has studied tech or worked in a technical profession and would make a good founder, for the love of God, put yourself forward for EF and become a role model. They've just got access to an £8.5 million fund, which means they can take on 200 people a year instead of just 30. For more information about EF, including some of the startups they've helped build, and all the details you need to apply, go to www.joinef.com. Also, Alice mentioned Code First Girls. If you want to find out more about that, it's www.codefirstgirls.org.uk. That's it for episode six. Thanks again this week to the team at London Loves Business. The music we used in today's podcast is by Hollow Tim, who you can find on SoundCloud. There are just two more episodes of Entrepreneur left in the series, and we'll be back for another early in 2016. If you're enjoying this podcast, please write us a quick review on iTunes, since we only have one at the moment. It only takes a second and will really help new listeners discover us. And more listeners mean I can devote more time to making Entrepreneur better, which is a win-win for everyone. As always, do check out our website at londonlovesbusiness.com, which features a story from this week's podcast, along with all our other business news and features. Finally, if you're an entrepreneur with a tale to tell and want to be featured in an upcoming episode on the next series of Entrepreneur, drop us an email at entrepreneur at londonlovesbusiness.com as we're always on the lookout for new stories. Thanks and see you next week.